It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. Here with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. How much house can you afford? Is this a financial planning decision or is this just a number that the bank tells you or that some sort of financial calculator online reveals to you? We're going to hit that and much more in this episode. All right. If you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. We get, we're getting lots of questions these days. We're going to hit a few of them at the end of the program today. So reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit a question right there on the right. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Just search the Wise Money Show and subscribe to us and follow us there. And you can leave questions there as well. Most questions come on the YouTube channel. So check it out. Okay, so I'm talking to a friend recently, and I'm, I'm not kidding. This is a young professional couple. I mean, they've got their act together. We've been doing financial planning with them, and uh, they're young professionals, like I said. They've got a, they just started family, and they're aggressive on debt, and, you know, they're ag- aggressive on their budget and saving. Their house today is all of probably worth 200 and quarter, like two, 225 maybe 250 And just if I'm spitballing it, and I didn't do any calculations. We're going to talk about this in a second. But how much house could they afford if they're going to move? I don't know, four hundred thousand. I mean, they're they're ready to. They could take a meaningful step up financially. Well, they happened to send me a picture, a screenshot. They were goofing around online, and they went to Bankrate.com, which is actually in the financial geek speak. That's that's a you know a trusted website for checking for comparing interest rates and whatever. And they filled out their housing calculation and bank rate told them they could buy a house for $1.3 million. Wow. Some arbitrary, think about this. What if you were just blindly saying, well, that's true. I'll do it. Right. Some arbitrary formula just told these people, go ahead and ruin yourself financially. (laughs) No kidding. That's three times what your gut was saying? Correct. You said maybe 400 maybe. would be appropriate? And that would be a stretch, but I think they could do, probably do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, that that sort of thing just gets me fired up because, you know, you, you can find professionals out there. You know, there, there are some, I'll call them unscrupulous lenders that just want to get you into the biggest mortgage they possibly can because maybe there's a payday attached to it for them or something. Not everybody is that way, but there are some. Mm-hmm. And if if you lean on them to guide you on a calculation like how much house can you afford, it's very possible that their risk tolerance for your life is different than your risk tolerance for your own life ought to be. Yeah, I mean that's that was the surprising thing about this bank rate, and we're not we're, the show isn't about bank rate. It, the show right. the the headliner topic is how much house can you afford. Um, but but that's that it's a good point, Josh, because lenders, they make money on the amount of money they loan to you. Right. So they have an incentive to tell you, oh, you can buy that big a house. And 
realtors as well make money on how much house you buy. So there's a little bit of an incentive there. Buy as much house as possible. I was just surprised to see this third party bank rate just say, boom, there you go, 1.3. Well, it is. Yeah, there there are a number of factors that go into this, uh, including what your income is and what kind of assets that you have to do. But I think the the it, it's almost kind of backwards uh, to say, hey, how much for how much house can I afford? Um, I I think that I would start out with the question is how much house do I need? Yeah. And how how in as I as I calculate things, the calculus for me is always. How can I get as much as I need for as little as possible out of pocket? Oh, that must be awful being married to you. <laughs> it, well, so it bad. is so bad. It's, but it's it's not just for that, Mike. It's, it's there's a there's a number of other reasons, but um, that that would be included in the mix. But but that is the, that's the question because what. What do I need as far as the, the, the practical purposes? And what is the purpose of the house? Because I would say, hey, listen, if I could afford a $1.2 million house, the, the, how, how many rooms in your house do you want to have that you haven't visited in the last three or four months? Right. Except to vacuum and right. Except to wipe get, down, get the dust cobwebs, it, that sort of thing. Get the cobwebs out of the corner and pick up the dead stink bugs and you know, <laughs> do stuff like that. So I think, well, how many of those rooms do you want in your house? And, and some people live in their houses and some people just sleep there. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So you, you'd look and you say, well, what is the purpose of your house? I can tell you this. My wife lives in our house and, and for the most part, I sleep in our house. Well, but, so, but houses are very emotional decisions. It for many many Americans it is your it's going to be your biggest or one of your biggest assets in your financial life, and uh, my rich dad said that was a liability, Mike. Well, that's true. That okay. is true. So just uh, and uh, just keep it so real. Big decision, an emotional decision. How do you so so? Yes, I agree. Start with. Well, how much house do you need? But how do you figure out the financial side of it? How do you figure out? Because even if you say, "Hey, I need this much house," but the finances don't match up with it, how, how do you how do you tackle this financially? Well, what do you consider? What what do you? How would you determine how much how much house you and can, can I just, afford? Can I just do a little follow up? So, my talking about my rich dad. That's a little rich dad reference port. to a book. Yeah, yep. rich dad poor dad book. If you haven't read it, fantastic book. Good to read. And it will change your thinking on things like your home. Yeah, your home's and, a liability. Yep. Because assets generate income or growth. Yep. And liabilities require money. That's right. Cash outflows. They create expenses for you. Right. Which is part of the discussion that you're bringing up, Mike. Like, how do you know how much you can afford? Well, part of it is a cash flow decision. Because if that house is going to cost you a certain mortgage payment and a certain set of utility payments, and there's a certain amount of maintenance and repairs and emergencies that just happen with a house. You have to be able to afford all of that, not just the monthly payment. Yeah. But the monthly payment is what a lender is going to pay attention to. They want to know, okay, this monthly obligation that you're signing up for, does it fit in your cash flow adequately so that we know we're going to get paid? They're not looking at it saying, hey, does this fit in your cash flow adequately so you can still do all the other things in life that you want to do? They just care about, hey, 
are we going to get paid back on this thing? And the other thing that they'll often look at is not just the mortgage payment itself, but what about all your other debt obligations, your other debt payments? And they have thresholds that they, they'll look at when they look at your take-home pay. They want to see you usually below 28 to 30%. Um, your, your mortgage payment should not be more than that of your, your monthly cash flow, but your total debt should not be more than 43%. That's their number. Your numbers should not be that big, though, because I can just tell you, those who go right up to the bank's edge, they live a stressed-out life, eventually. It's, too, it's living too close to the edge, and so don't take your cues from the lender. You need to take your cues from your own financial plan and, and reviewing how does this fit with your overall cash flow plan. Yeah, I mean, the, because your housing decision is just going to carry so many other expenses with it. I mean, think about the tagalongs here. You, your, your house influences the amount of property tax you pay, influences the amount of the homeowner's insurance, influences the amount of your utilities, influences sometimes how much gas you have to pay to, you know, to and from work influences the maintenance, right? Bigger houses have more expensive roofs to put on, right? And so, and and the projects and things that you need to do, it's just the tag along in your financial life is con- is considerable. And if the bank is just looking at your cash flow, the cash flow analysis, you're missing it. We're gonna tell you, we're gonna expand on that and talk about the other areas, how you determine how much house you can afford. That and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If an online calculator told you that you could afford a $1.3 million house, would you be ecstatic? Would you do it? Or would you say, I must have a virus on this thing? (laughs) I don't know. How much house can you afford? That's what we're talking about today. How much house you can afford, not how much horse you can afford uh, as anyway. So uh, thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you listen to podcast, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you go and enjoy it, check it out. Search the Wise Money Show. Uh, leave a comment there, rate the show. We appreciate that. So we're talking about how much house you can afford. Real life story, someone that could probably probably swing a $400,000 house. An online calculator said, yeah, you can buy one that's $1.3 million. So what are the criteria? How do you figure out how much house you can afford? And one is a cash flow metric. What about down, what about down payment? Should, it, should, it, should your down payment influence how much you can afford? Well, absolutely. Because the question is, do I want to pay private mortgage insurance? Because a lot of times people are encouraged to uh, have very little money down and get into a house. Well, they'll allow for that, um, but you're going to have likely private mortgage insurance unless you have... I had a VA loan and it I don't remember what it was. It was either 3% or no percent down. My wife... I told my house, my wife we could buy a house with no money. And she's like, uh, how can we do that? And I said, I have this VA loan because uh, I'm a veteran. And um, she didn't believe it, and, and we did. Uh, we bought a house with no money. But for, in most other scenarios, you're going to pay anywhere from 40 
I, I, we actually started helping some folks at the very beginning of this year. They were paying over $300 a month in private mortgage insurance. That's the highest uh, I've, I've heard of. And they didn't know it. Wow. They didn't even realize it. So this is, this is where you say, okay, what, what, what expenses do I want to have? Am I okay with private mortgage insurance? And it is, it's tough to save up enough money to have that big down payment. But I can tell you this, there's a huge difference in your mortgage payment if you can get just an, I mean, it's amazing to me with relatively small amount, you know, a $50,000 down payment gets you into a $250,000 house with a, a, you know, $1,200 a month payment. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now you're exactly right. It, the the down payment not only determines whether or not you're going to pay private mortgage insurance, and what your ultimate payment, the, the amount of loans going to be, um, but it also determines how much uh, of an escape hatch you have built into your house as well. I mean, there's a reason that that PMI is there. I mean, and and PMI is a fancy word for saying just extra cost. The <laughs> bank. I mean, I'm all for paying something to get something. Uh, but you don't get anything else. This is the banks charging you a little bit more because you're a greater risk. If you don't have enough equity, usually 20%, and the bank's going to force you to pay a little bit more in case the value of your house goes down or they've got, basically they want to secure their collateral. That's right. Right. It's, against it's in case you default on the loan, they want to be made whole. Mm-hmm. So that, that insurance protection is there to protect them, not you. This is different than your homeowner's insurance. But they're just, they're just not being meanies. It's because you don't have a lot of buffer there. You don't have a lot of safety net there. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's a risk. So, I mean, it's either an increased interest rate or private mortgage insurance. And really private mortgage insurance is a better deal because you can get that taken off. Yeah, so that's right. But but the banks are going to transfer the risk. They're not going to live with the risk that you have too they have too little equity in the home because the banks don't want to own houses. Yeah. They want to lend money. Yeah. And ultimately the risk is is that something changes in your financial life so that that monthly payment that everybody believed was just easy, you're going to be able to handle it just fine, something changes and now all of a sudden it's not fine. And you need to sell your house. If you've got at least twenty percent equity in your house, you have room to to move on the price to sell that thing to get out from underneath it. If you absolutely had to, you know, it, it, there are some tragic stories that happen every so many years where f- folks maybe bought a house for with less money down than than maybe would be ideal. They bought a maybe more house than they could really afford, believing that. The, they have a bright future ahead of them. And certainly at that time, they have plenty of confidence because, you know, all the evidence is saying, hey, our trajectory is great here. But events happen. You know, entire industries can get rocked by certain events. And all of a sudden, if you and all of your coworkers and all your competitors across town are in a situation where you, you don't have a job anymore or your industry just took a 30% hit and there's a whole bunch of people trying to sell their house and relocate to a different area where there's maybe more opportunities. Now all of a sudden you're you're competing to sell a house at depressed prices and what if you can't go down as low as you need to on price because you just don't have any equity in the house? Or what if you're thinking about, I mean normally there is a cost to selling your home. 
I, I cannot be the realtor of my uh, of uh, of selling my own house. I mean, Diane Bennett and and experienced realtors, they're just going to be able to see things that I can't see. They're professionals. And there's a cost to doing that. There's cost for the title work. There's a cost for for that assistance. And normally that cost all in eight, nine percent. I usually for budgeting, because I'm just sort of conservative, I usually say eh, it's going to cost you 10 percent to sell your house. And maybe you throw in there, well, because the inspection is going to come back that I've got right on and I need to fix this or whatever. And so some of you might balk at that. I'm trying to be conservative. But if you've only got 20% equity and you've got and possibly you won't be able to sell your house for as much as you think it's worth because of whatever the reasons. And you've got to also pay 10% to a realtor that doesn't leave you much wiggle room to then get into the next house. Right. Right. And so I look at that 20% down payment. That's That's got to be a minimum. We're going to talk about first home purchases here in a minute, but the other so so cash flow, down payment, the other big factor that I see, I see three big factors. Your your monthly payment's got to fit. I I like less than 25% of your take home is what your mortgage payment is. I I like that as a boundary. Um and then I would want, so uh, the right house that you can afford fits within that is, is my thinking. Um, you can put at least 20% down on the house. And then the third criteria is you've got to still be able to fund, adequately fund all of your other major financial goals. And this is one that you guys, as we, as financial planners, we see this one violated all the time. Sometimes people allocate money to their mortgage before they even realize they needed to allocate money to this different goal. Right. Right. So I had, here's a, here's a scenario. Uh, I had someone um, early on, they were just starting a family. They were both working because that's what you do when you, when you don't have any kids. And so they were in the small house. So they were going to start having kids and they needed to get into a bigger house and, they were thinking, well, could one of us stay home to take care of the child? And they did all this budgeting work and said, yes, we can afford this bigger house on one income if we make these cuts. And I looked and said, if you want to help that child with college, if you guys someday want to retire, and there were a few other things, guys, there's no room for any of that other stuff. Yes, the monthly budget can work, but it's a monthly budget without all of these other things that are priorities to you. Yeah, that's that's why your financial plan is what helps you figure out if you say yes to that bigger mortgage, what are you also saying no to? Yeah. So we're going to break a we're going to break that down even more. So are those the three criteria? Are there more than that? But then also, what about first house? And then what about the downsides in retirement, that concept. So that more coming up on the Wise Money show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How much house can you afford? And and when you're buying your very first house, can you afford to put 20% down? Do you need to delay that purchase until you have 20% down? These are quintessential financial planning questions. We're hitting them right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG KFG Studios 
Kevin Corhorn, and Josh Gregory. Online, stay up to date on all Wise Money content, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. We've got some questions from fans of the show on the horizon. They were shared on social media, so check us out there, leave questions, and engage with the show that way. Okay, so how do you let's let's mix this all up. How do you determine how much house you can afford? It's a financial planning question, right? I mean, so so break it down. Here's why it's a financial planning question. You framed it as how much can you afford, but we really keep on gravitating back to the question how much should you afford? And anytime you throw the word should into a question, it now becomes a values judgment. It's a, it's a choice about your values, what your priorities are, what's most important to you. And, you know, it's, it's kind of human nature that we, we often kind of go right up to the edge of a situation and then want to reach just a little bit further. If, if we have a certain car in mind, we go to the car lot and we say, okay, I, I can afford this amount. But man, if you just spend a little bit more, look at all these extra features you can add. Just just reach a little bit further and just think how much happier you'll be. We do it with houses. I mean, you name it, right? It's just human nature that we want to reach just a little bit further. But should you is the question. And to me, the reason why this is a financial planning question and not just a house decision, it's not just one that you make with your realtor or with your, your banker, it's because when you say yes to that house, you are obligating yourself to certain things in the future, whether it's a mortgage or repairs, maintenance, utilities, taxes, you, you name it. There's all kinds of extra baggage that comes along with that house, and it's not going to go away. But all of those payments are going to squeeze out something in your life. And if you don't know ahead of time what you're squeezing out, it's very possible that that little bit of extra reaching that you were doing is actually saying goodbye to something that maybe you are going to value even more in the future. Mm-hmm. That's right. So work with your certified financial planner. Make sure you've got clarity on all of your other areas in your financial life, that you are making progress on all of these other goals. So then you can determine, all right, how does the house goal? I mean, that would be, it, it'd be a goal of yours to either get into a house or get into a nicer house or a house in this neighborhood or with this zip code, whatever, and see how that fits within your overall financial plan. On the break, at the break, Kevin, uh, we were we were just talking about things and he was sharing about all of the other expenses that come along with the house. And are you, it's more than just a housing payment. Are you factoring in the potential HOA fees? Are you factoring in the property taxes and homeowners insurance? Likely you are. Because banks have learned they're going to force you to escrow pretty much every mortgage now, um, at least in our area, they will. But have you factored in the other costs? And, you know, this is really geeky, but I look at the, I mean, when we bought our first home, it was, I'm working my budget, working my budget, working my budget. And then what would the budget look like in this house? And I mean, you've got to add a thick slice in for utilities, a thick slice in for when we bought our second, the second house, and Josh, I'll just tell you, I, I'll air it out right here. I mean, our limit was two fifty, like that was it, and we saw the house at two sixty five, and and like, and I'm a firm discipline. Everyone says there's a limit, and then they go over, and I was like, no, we are not going over. We're not, and we stretched and we made it work. Um, but when I got that first uh, electric bill, I was sweating and not because I just turned the thermostat off like I was freaking out it was almost double what we saw in the records from the prior 
that I, like I, I I freaked out. I had a little panic there. This was not going to work because this was outside of the bounds of the budget. And and so, but we had obligated ourselves to it, like you said. That caught me by surprise. But if you aren't doing that budgeting work to see what are the HOA fees, what are the other expenses, blah blah blah, then you're going to be caught off guard by a lot of things. That's right. And that could throw your financial life off axis. Well, it's not just that. You you, you would want to be looking at all of the things that this new house is going to cause you to spend. I want a different uh, surface for my driveway. I want a different surface for my kitchen countertops. Mm-hmm. I, want, I mean, go on down the line, and, and the roof is 26 years right. old, and, and it's a 20-year roof. And so, I mean, all of these things, and you say, okay, have I made a provision for each of these things, or do I have a funding mechanism that on an ongoing basis I'm setting aside the the, the money to do it? Because if there's not the wiggle room in your financial life in order to do that, you're you're going to come up against it and be and this is where people are forced, and this is where you see these, you know, these 13% loans and this crazy stuff like this. You're like, how did this happen? And people say, Well, I I, I didn't have a choice. So I would say before you ever get yourself into a position where you don't have choices, that's what planning is all about. Planning is all about opening up the world of opportunity and choices to understand what the choices are that you want to make to put yourself in a position to do what you really want to do. And and if you really, really, really value the house, then I'd say, well, that's fine. But don't say, hey, I value the house and the trips to Disney and the and da, 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 da. No, if it's the house and you've agreed this is this is kind of your your financial, uh, the place you're going to put your resources, then let that be it. You're reminding me of a time when I was like 12 or 13 years old. I remember standing outside the church sanctuary on a Sunday morning between services and a, a few of my buddies, we were just kind of hanging out, just shooting the breeze. And the oldest guy in the congregation came, you know, kind of shuffling over to us. And he, he was like 140 years old, I think. <laughs> and um, his name was Mr. Johnson. And he said, boys, when I was your age, you know, I was the best running back. No one could tackle me. He just, you know, kind yeah. of bragging about <laughs> stuff. And then he, he got real serious and he gave us some advice. And I, I have no idea why he gave this to us, but he said, Someday when you're older and you're going to buy your first house, make sure that you can make the mortgage payment on that with one week's worth of pay Ah. of your take-home pay. So, you know, now in retrospect, I'm saying, oh, he's saying keep it under 25%, basically. But he said all the same things that you just said, Kevin. There are other things you're going to want to do in life. You're going to want to take your family on vacations. You're going to want to be able to deal with a car problem when it pops up. You're going to want to be able to adjust, but if you make your payment with one week's pay, he apparently got paid weekly. It's you know mm-hmm. less common these days, but the principle is the same. If if you can make the payment easily, is essentially what he's saying, then you have room to adjust and to deal with all the stuff that life throws at you, or the stuff that you want to go reach for in life as well. I, I want to be I want to be that guy. I want to, to brag to some kids in the church parking lot about my hockey accomplishments, you know, embellished, uh-huh. and then give some words of some nuggets of wisdom. Now, I would tell you, and we're, we're running out of time here, but um, if it's your first house, 
out of principle, save up 20% first. If you can't, I would say that monthly payment needs to be less than 25%. Because Considerably I, less. Because I want you to build up equity as fast as possible. Because your first house will likely not be your last house. And, and you've got to build, if you don't have the equity to put down, you better afford a house that is well within your means that you can accelerate that equity very, very quickly and build it up yourself. Um, so let me just re- quickly recap. You got to have a, the right house can fit. You can put at least twenty percent down. It will be the payment will be less than twenty five percent of your take home, just like Mr. Johnson told Josh. And you can still fund all of your other major priorities. Outside of that, I want you to have the nicest house in the nicest neighborhood wherever possible. Right? That. But that's it. You can't get in trouble financially following that principle. All right, we've got questions from fans of the show. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. If you've missed anything, want to catch up on previous episodes or catch next Wise Step videos that post throughout the week, go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, leave comments below, uh, turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content, all of that good stuff. Check out Wise Money Wise Money Show on YouTube. Okay, the housing decision, just to put the wraps on that, that is a financial planning decision. You want you want to have financial success. You want to have financial balance. You want to be happy today, happy 20 years from now, and um, work with your certified financial planner. I hope, I hope the message that was delivered oh, in the first three segments was make sure you've got a process of how the house decision financially fits with your entire financial life. I hope you did not hear your certified financial planner wants you to own the cheapest house possible. That's not the message at all. Um, I, I mean, your house is your sanctuary. It's going gonna, it's gonna, um, to be a place where you can invite people in, where you can enjoy fellowship with neighbors, where you can have your kids grow and your grandkids come. I mean, we know this is a, it's a different type of asset slash liability. We know that. And your, your CFP wants you to be in the right house. They also want to make sure it fits that what you're saying yes to there, you can also say yes to the other things in your financial life. Uh, that's a good segue into a question from fan of the show, Anne from Florida. Here's what Anne sent in. I was fired with a severance of $12,000 at the beginning of COVID, tucked it away, and I haven't spent it. I have... Uh, uh, Okay, so I've deferred put in forbearance my mortgage payments all this time because I'm just scared. My new bookkeeping business is taking off and my sister is encouraging me to pay the mortgage payments before the new year. What should I do? That is a great question. And and forbearance is something, there's something that there's, most of us learned something this year that we never knew before and actually didn't want to know about ever, um, but fortunately or unfortunately, we've learned. So forbearance is an interesting idea. And what happens with forbearance is that basically your 
the payments that are required are reduced or completely stopped for a period of time, and then they're restarted. So with the CARES Act came out and it said, hey, listen, if you've got these federally backed loans, you can you basically automatically get forbearance. And there are a number of other um, kind of voluntary programs for with, that mortgage lenders did as it relates to forbearance. Now, forbearance is confusing because I have to pay that money back. That's the big deal. I have to pay the money back. So when you look at this and you say, well, what, what, does, that, how, what does that mean? I mean, that could be, mean one of three things. It's, it's either reinstatement, a repayment plan, or a mortgage modification. So, and you're going to have likely one of three choices. The reinstatement means, hey, if you haven't made those payments for nine months and your payment was 1000 bucks a month, when you restart, you need to pay $9,000 and then start paying your normal payment. Yeah. Most people aren't in a position, and I've, I've read lots of things and, um, by lots of different people. There are some ideas out there that there's going to be some sort of mortgage or home ownership crisis coming because of this. Like this, this, this created something that we're going to see the effects of uh, down the road here mm-hmm. when people have to start making their payments. Um, there's a repayment plan where they say, hey, we'll give you maybe up to 12 months, typically not longer than 12 months. We'll give you a, a, a period of time over which you can make those payments. So again, I haven't made my payments, my $1,000 payments for nine months. I'm 9000 behind. They'll give you a, a kind of a workout over 12 months, quite possibly, or a mortgage modification where they just change the deal on your mortgage. I feel like there's a lot of that happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, stretching out the 9000 in this example, it's almost like creating another loan for the payment you didn't make. Which so what do you do? I mean, if so, number the 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 word that stands out to me is scared. And I, if I can tell you, that's one of the reasons why we started the Wise Money Show. That's one of the reasons why we preach to you every Saturday. You've got to have a CFP in your on your team because they are fighting against. They are beating back fear. Because you shouldn't, no matter what you're going through in your financial life, there's going to be pain, there's going to be, you know, victories and some challenges. But, I, I mean, your CFP is in your corner. They don't want you to be afraid of what could be there. That is, that's really wise advice there or, or recognition. And, and, you know, you're pointing out, and saying, not I was scared, so I turned things off. She said, I am scared. And, and there's a lot of folks out there right now that are still you know, feeling the effects of a shutdown that happened months ago. Maybe they they are in an industry or a career that was just affected more heavily than than others. And you know, you maybe took some some action to try to protect your financial life, sort of circle the wagons, preserve the cash that you can. And out of fear, often we stop making progress in our financial life because we we don't want to part with that cash. We might need it. Um, we, we don't want to keep making that payment if someone will let you have some time off from it. And I, I've just observed over time that when people have to go into sort of a fear or a preservation mode, 
it's difficult to get back out of it. Inertia is a very real thing yeah. in your financial life. And I, I love what you're saying, Mike, because often a financial advisor and going through the financial planning process is what jolts you out of that and gets you back on the right track. Right. That That's what extinguishes that fear. But we also know certain components. So that's the clarity and confidence piece, right? That's the clarity and confidence piece that your CFP gives you. But we also know there are there's a there's a tangible connection between your peace of mind, um, P E A C E, uh, and the amount of cash you have. And so the other thing that stands out is my new bookkeeping business. So I would I would first want you to, I mean, work with your CFP to see what else is going on in your financial life. But I, I'd probably contact the mortgage company and see if you can get a, a loan modification before I would just pay off this nine grand or whatever was past due. Because I, I mean, trust me, if you've, if you've gotten used to that 12 grand in the bank and then all of a sudden it's gone, that fear feeling might stick around for a while. Can I, uh, this story reminds me of a situation, and this is going to sound like a tangent, but it's more of a, a warning than anything. It sounds like Anne lost her job sometime earlier in the year. She started her own business, and it's really taking off. I would want to know, if you're in a situation like that, where you've created a side hustle, you started a job, you're just making ends meet some way, somehow... I would circle back to what are the assumptions that I made when I began that business and what things have I put in place that maybe have changed since then. And, and where my mind is going is to health insurance. You know, I, I've seen the stories where someone loses their job and they start a side hustle and all of a sudden it explodes and they don't even realize it, but their income is escalating and now all of a sudden those those tax savings, those premium tax credits that the government was offering them when they signed up for health insurance under the Affordable Care Act, they were eligible early on, and now all of a sudden, because of you know blessing, because of their hard work, um, because their their business is taken off, their income is getting at a point where all, all of a sudden they might have some of that stuff to to pay back. Right. And you talk about kicking someone when they're down. You know, just when they feel like they're getting ahead and all of a sudden they're having to pay back some money that was meant to be a support to them, there are potential traps here. And so even even in a situation where you feel like, man, I'm just trying to make ends meet, I'm trying to cut costs everywhere I can, don't lose sight of the big picture planning and the, the help that your certified financial planner can provide during that time to watch out for those potential landmines. Because I would be asking, and is this the house I want to be in? A lot, lots have changed. Lots of things have changed. So you have a different career, different occupation. Um, you Do you want to stay in the house? If you do, what things are possible? It might be, if you're in forbearance, it might be a little bit of a challenge to get a refinance uh, done. I would look at that and say, what what kind of interest rate do you have on your house right now? Yeah. And if and then start looking at creative places to say, where might I be able to get resources in order to um, to pay this off, or or to line up other kind of uh, lines of credit or access to money 
in the event of an emergency. Now, this is a good segue into another question. Now, this was left on the YouTube channel, and it was a name that I'm not going to. I'm assuming their YouTube name is not their real name. I'll just say that. (laughs) So we'll say anonymous. Now, can I roll my closing costs into my mortgage when I refinance? Because if Anne is able to refinance, that would be tricky if she's starting her own business and in a new career and, and in forbearance. That would be tricky. But for people in the same situation or similar where you say, gosh, a refinance would actually significantly improve my situation, reduce my interest rate and so on, but I don't have the three grand that it costs can you re, can you roll those costs into the mortgage? I mean, the the answer is yes. People yeah. do it all the time. It'd be interesting to know what the statistics are, how many people do it. But mm-hmm. it, um, it it often solves the problem of needing this upfront cash in order to refinance. You don't want that to be the hurdle that prevents you from getting into a mortgage that you would want to have forever and dramatically reduce some of the interest that you're bleeding each month. Do banks call that a cash out? If you're if you're not taking other cash out, but just to cover that, because we've talked about cash out refinance. Uh, I, a couple I think times. they call that a rate and term right. refinance. You're, you're allowed to roll that cost in without paying a little bit higher interest rate. If you were to go pull money out of your house by taking a bigger loan than than actually you have to, so maybe you can buy a car or do some home improvements or something, that's called a cash out refinance, as its you know name. I mean that Suggests, makes sense, yeah. right? Um, but uh, just rolling the closing costs in doesn't cause you to pay a little bit higher interest rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I should say it shouldn't. It shouldn't. <laughs> and that I personally recommend that quite often. A lot of times you're, you're going to get basically a month off from making a mortgage payment. So that's one thing that happens. And likely your mortgage, your new mortgage payment is going to be less. But if if it's at all an obstacle or a hurdle or creating any friction between getting that done, the only thing I would tell you is I I've I've seen I saw someone who were they were working with a company uh, on their mortgage online out of Detroit. That's all I'll say, and they thought that their their costs were about three thousand. They're about eleven thousand. That's crazy. Because there was another eight thousand of origination costs that were that were never talked about. But when you looked at the disclosures, you're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. Okay, you need to know about that. Wow. <laughs> Well, the the whole show has been about housing. That's an enormous decision. I hope this show has been helpful. Reach out if you have questions. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.